Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, good morning, everybody. And I do want to say everybody, and we're uh, broadcasting the service today, so I want to make sure that I say, hey, West Palm Beach campus, let's make some noise over there. And we want to say Lake Worth campus, make some noise over there. And of course, everybody in the room, Loxahatchee, let's let everybody hear from us. Come on. Amen. Yeah, I want to remind everybody, so we are broadcasting the service today uh, to all of our campuses uh, in our network because we are beginning an important message series, I think, in the life of our church, and in fact, I want to say it this way, even in the history of our church, and uh, along with it, an important initiative that's going to run alongside of it called Flourish. And so we're really, really excited about breaking this out to you. Now, I want to say this, remind everybody, and of course say, if you're in the room this morning on any of our campuses and you're a guest, we want to welcome you here uh, to uh, any of our campuses. And our goal, our hope, uh, our prayer is that you've already felt uh, accepted and welcomed and free to worship the Lord in a comfortable way. We want to say that to you. And I want to say right on the start too, if you're here this morning and you are a guest, here's what I want to remind you. This is a great series for you to click into Community of Hope because we are going to, in a very clear way over these next weeks, be talking about our future. And um, so I, I think it's even important um, not only that we're talking about our future, but maybe that you get to see uh, for, if you're a guest or you're a regular attender, how it is as a church that we do some of this collective work together. So I was thinking about this and the theme verse that we have chosen uh, that's going to uh, run underneath all of this series and everything that we want to say as a church, everything I want to invite us into as a church, uh, is a passage of scripture that comes from the pen of the gospel writer Luke. And if you're a Bible nerd, any Bible nerds in the room, raise your hand if you're a Bible nerd. So you know that Luke actually wrote two letters that appear in the New Testament. One, of course, the Gospel of Luke that bears his name. The second one, of course, is the Book of Acts, sometimes known as the Acts of the Apostles. And if you love history... Uh, you'll love the book of Acts because it's, it's the history really of the early church. It chase, uh, uh, traces back our origin, our beginning. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But one of the things that I think sometimes if you read the book of Acts that can be confusing is that it appears almost when you read it that the main character in the book often changes. Let me show you what I mean. Like if you read it, it starts out, say, uh, with Peter. And you get this idea that maybe Peter is the main character. And it goes from Peter over to Stephen. And then Stephen is stoned. Not the kind of stone some of you might be thinking about. Okay? So like we're in church. We actually have a recovery ministry on Monday night. You can come to. Uh, Stephen is actually, wow, Stephen is actually martyred for his faith. He's the first Christian martyr. But after Stephen, uh, it goes to Philip, and then it goes to Cornelius, and then it goes to Barnabas, and then it goes to Saul, who becomes Paul, and then it goes to Timothy. And you can almost get this idea, if you're reading it, that the main character continues to change until you look a little bit closer, and you realize that the main character isn't a person. 
It's a thing. It's the word of God. And when you look at that a little more closely, you realize the word of God isn't a a thing. It's a person. It's Jesus. Now, Pastor Dale, you go like, how how do we know that? I want to show you. Because in John's gospel, John tells us. And uh, right in the very beginning of John's gospel, John says this in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says this, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. Look at this. And the word was God. And then you go 13 verses down. And if that's not clear enough, it gets even more clear. And in John chapter 1 verse 14, it says this. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And so we're reading in the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 24, we, we get this incredible line. I want to show it to you, and here's the line. But the word of God continued to spread and continued to flourish. And this is an important idea for us and an idea that I want to break down uh, in this series because um, this is something that I want us to think about that's going to run underneath all of what we want to say and all that I want to invite us into in this important uh, moment in the history of our church, and that is this. Wherever the word of God is honored, things flourish. Wherever the word of God is honored, things flourish. In fact, Jesus, again, uh, was speaking one time to the disciples and whoever would listen. And, and when he was speaking, he said this in John chapter 15, and I want to show it to you. He says this, he says, I am the vine and you're the branches. Look at this. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. A little bit later on, a couple of verses later, he says it this way. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Now, here's an interesting dynamic that we we think about in this moment, that God, wherever God's word is honored, it opens the door to flourish. Um, Whenever you make a decision to invite Jesus in your heart, and you say in a moment really of contrition, in a moment of um, humility, and you say, Lord, I'm inviting you into my life, and I want to make room for your word in my life, that becomes a place of flourishing. Whenever a group of people come together, right? Like, like this, like in this moment right here. And we come together and we say, Lord, um, we're going to gather in your midst. Then we're going to make room collectively for you in our hearts. And we're going to make room for your word to abide in our heart. That becomes a place of flourishing. And here's what I would tell you this morning. Enough churches, enough gatherings do that. And I literally, literally believe from the bottom of my heart that when when enough gatherings of people do that, here's, here's what happens. I, I think towns flourish. I think cities can flourish. I, I'm crazy enough to think um, a county, a state, a nation, a country, the world can flourish. Amen. And this is really what we're talking about. Um, there's a lot of conversation right now that's going on in our culture about the idea of human flourishing. Right? What, what is it? Uh, what isn't it? 
uh, if, if it actually exists, can we have it? How can we have it again? Is it possible in this day, in this era, that human flourishing is possible? There's lots of conversations about this. And here's why I think it's a conversation for us right now. Because if you look out into our world right now, it doesn't really look like, I think you'd agree, that there's a lot of flourishing that is taking place. Sometimes, in fact, it, it kind of looks like, I don't know, things are coming apart, it seems. And, and yet, in the midst of that, God's word, when it is made uh, welcomed, and the invitation is offered to God to uh, make a home and make a residence in our heart, it opens the door to flourishing. And uh, I was thinking about this because, um, you know, a lot of us know what the Lord's Prayer is, and we, we, we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, you know, hallowed be thy name. And then we say this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we wonder, is that possible? And I want to tell you that I, I believe that it is. Um, here's what I want everybody to know. This is uh, an important moment, and it's an important season for our church. Uh, many of you know, not all of you know, but a lot of you would uh, know that um, last year, we made a really important decision to disaffiliate from a denominational uh, structure that birthed and blessed our earliest days. And this past June, uh, that decision w- was made formal and final, and we have officially separated from that denominational structure. And uh, part of the reason we did that is we, we, we were so grateful for the birthing and for the blessing of our, of our young church back in the day, but we began to feel that, the, that our denominational structure that we were involved in had just wholesale bought into a cultural narrative that we could no longer buy into. And so we just sort of made a decision. It was a, it was a collective, strategic, courageous decision to step from that and to, in our words, sort of be freed up for joyful obedience. And uh, we, we made that decision to disaffiliate right on the outskirts and in the throes of a three-year period of disruption called a global pandemic. And uh, I remember uh, reading a quote by a pastor that uh, when I read the quote, I just sort of connected with it. I want to show it to you. The pandemic created an economic shutdown that left us teetering on the verge of a financial meltdown while navigating social rest during an election year. Yay, us, we're crushing it. (laughs) This reminded me of an earlier period in our church I want to tell everybody about. So we spent the first 14 years, actually 14 and a half years as a congregation, uh, in rented facilities. Every seven days it was set up, tear down, rah, rah, rah. And uh, we learned in the early days of our church that community of hope was not for sissies, and it was not for the work of earth. And I think in in many ways, that's still true of our our church. But um, uh, after those 14 years, Um, Some of you will remember, we went through a period where hurricanes were sweeping into our area every other week. How many of y'all remember that? 
And, uh, and I will tell you, when I think back on that period, here's what I think about. We were, um, it was a time of great disruption and great challenge. And we had bought the property for this land uh, out here to build this building. And we were dreaming about our future. And, and all of this um, was going on. And these hurricanes kind of rolled into our area. And it put our church's leadership on its knees. And here's what I want to tell you. I wish I could tell you it was we were in a deep season of prayer. That isn't actually what was happening. We were exhausted. And we were discouraged. And we felt defeated. And I'll, I'll never forget this because um, right, right in the midst of all of that, here's what I want to say. If that wasn't challenging enough, okay, um, we were about to make an assault uh, onto this property and we hit the year 2007 and 2008. And anybody remember what happened in 07 and 08? Financial meltdown. And, uh, and if that wasn't bad enough and challenging enough, we had bought this property out here and Loxahatchee Groves incorporated. And the first thing they did is put a, a two-year building moratorium on, on, on the, their little town. No building. And like I said, we were on our knees. We were, we were really defeated. And to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't actually see a clear way forward. And everybody was sort of looking at me like the leader and saying, you know, I'm sure you've got it all worked out. And I would kind of nod and I'd walk off and get in my truck and go, oh, I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget this very, very powerful moment. So all of these sort of forces uh, were coming together uh, for our little church and just up the road, just a little bit east down Okeechobee Boulevard, we were going to meet. We had rented Royal Palm Beach Elementary School cafeteria, and we were going to have an all-church meeting. And we were going to vote whether we were moving forward to raise funds to build this building or not. Now, here's, and, and in fact, I want to tell you, you guys know some of my stories. I tell my stories from time to time. I've never told this story publicly before. Beth and I made a decision prior to that meeting. And the decision we made was, was this. We're going to go with the will of our community and the will of our people. But if they vote no, we are going to take that as a sign that we have done all we can do. And we're going to transition from community folk. And nobody knew that but Beth and me. We didn't tell the girls, we didn't tell anybody. We just, we just, we were just sort of on our knees. And we go into the lock, or we go into Royal Palm Beach uh, Elementary School and and we gather as this little group of people and, and we talked about the building moratorium and we talked about the the hurricanes. And we talked about the financial crisis that was going on in 2007 or 2008 at that point when we had the meeting. And there came to a moment of decision. And, and here's, here's the moment of decision. We voted unanimously to build the building. And here's what I want you to know about that. Sometimes, right, and maybe even more times than we know, churches have more faith than pastors, okay? 
And we learned a really, really important lesson in that season, and I want to I want to show it to you. We learned, actually what we learned in this season is this, is that sometimes the church operates best when the odds are against it. Every now and again, people will ask me, they'll say something like this. They'll say, you know, that this is not a popular time for church. People seem to be deconstructing from their faith. People seem to be, there's a lot of questions. And sometimes, here's what I would want everybody to know, right? I think the church has earned some of that criticism. I would be the first to line up and say, yeah, church has kind of earned some of that. I, I will tell my unchurched friends, I get sometimes why unchurched people don't go to church. I get it. But, he, but here's the other thing. Because I am a hopeful believer in the mission of Jesus Christ unleashed on the world. I think when the church seems to be up against or in the midst of some of its biggest challenges, this is when God wants to show up and frankly show off. I just believe that. I think if you look back in your own life when it looked like your back was against the wall, when it looked like that, that everything is you know, kind of turning the other way, when things are not good. This is the moment when we sort of reflexively step into it and apply the faith that we have, and then we know the truth of the scripture that reminds us, Jesus said, all you gotta have is the faith of a mustard seed, and God will do what only God can do. And in fact, here's what I want everybody to know. I think in a way, this is almost woven into the story of church from the very beginning. I want to show you what I mean. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. Uh, and for some of us, if you knock around church a little bit, it's, it, it's, it, it, it is something familiar, maybe not familiar to all of us, but it comes in Matthew chapter 16. And Matthew writes, beginning in verse 13. I want you to notice, and because we always honor God out west here, the reading of God's word, let's just stand together. And we're gonna read Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13. Here it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others um, say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and he said, well, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And so Jesus replied, notice really carefully what he says here. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates, here it is, and the gates of Hades, also translated hell, will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God, right? Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now, Here's what I want us to think about for a few moments together on all of our campuses. So think, think with me about this. This is, uh, this is tracing all of our 
ancestral roots as followers of Jesus back to this particular moment. One of the things that I think is um, kind of uh, become important in a way in our culture today is tracing our ancestry, right? There's all these different things. There's like Ancestry.com and there's uh, 23andMe and there's MyHeritage, all these different kind of organizations that will help you trace your, your, your lineage, trace your line. I remember uh, last year, my family, uh, my family, all, all six of us, uh, we, I had a niece that got married in New England. And uh, my father is from New England. And I said, okay, when we go up to New England, we're going to do a little bit of a archaeological experiment. And we're going to go back. I want to take you all the way back up into to, uh, uh, Cape Cod, Mass. And there's a place up there called Locks Neck. And uh, I'm going to show you, take you to the old Lock Cemetery, and you can see where, where, uh, you know, where our roots go back to. And I, I have some pictures here. There's some old, you know, old uh, uh, tombstones here. There's a picture of my family. I'll never forget it. So um, here's Shelly and Shelly's husband, Eric. Shout out over there to the Lake Worth campus right now. Uh, Eric finally told me at the end of this, he said, I got to tell you, he said, uh, I have been to more cemeteries on this vacation than I've ever been to in my whole life. And I remember telling him, man, this is the way the locks roll. Welcome to our family, Eric. And, uh, but here's the thing I want you to know. If, if we were to trace our, our faith heritage all the way back, it goes all the way back to Matthew chapter 16. And in fact, here's the thing. This is the very first time ever that the word church is used. Jesus says it. And it makes me think about, in a way, um, what is it that makes a church a church? You ever thought about that? I mean, here we are gathered together. Uh, Here you are over at West Palm Beach, or here you are at Lake Worth. Here you are streaming the service online. I mean, in all these new ways and all these creative uh, moments together, what is it that makes the church a church? I always think about this because when I think about my own memory of church, I have three. I, I remember my, my earliest understanding or experience of church was the church, of course, that my parents went to, and they, and they took all of uh, the three boys, I'm the middle of three boys, they took us to church. And in fact, for a brief time uh, while we're at that church, the only thing I remember about it is I served as an acolyte. How many of y'all know what an acolyte is? And I was, I was the bringer of the flame. And I can remember, you know, that the pastor would light this long candlestick thing, and then I would walk down the center aisle, and I would go to the altar, and I would light, light the candle. And I can remember um, the first two times I did it, I got all the way down to the altar, and the fire went out. <laughs> and I never got invited back to do that. I, that was my first memory. My second memory of a church was when I was a little older. I was actually a teenager. And I wasn't in that church really, in a way, the bringer of the flame. What I remember most about the church, I'm trying not to be judgmental, is I felt like it had no flame. Uh, It felt like people were going through the motions. And uh, as a teenager that was trying to answer important questions in my own life, to be honest with you, I didn't feel like they answered any of the questions in my own life. And it didn't make sense to me. And I actually got a little judgmental and a little resentful and a little turned off by it. And then we moved from Bradenton to West Palm Beach. And hey, West Palm Beach campus, I'm going to love on you. 
because we went to this third church. And I wasn't the bringer of the flame. And it wasn't the church that had no flame. It was a church that was on fire. And when we went to that church, here's, what I, here's, here's my memory. First time I walked in the church, it was full. And people sang at the top of their lungs. And when the pastor got up to speak, it was almost as though, follow me now, he had something important to say. And people were listening. And they tried to live out the gospel. And I got to tell you what, it lit a flame in my life that's honestly never, ever gone out. But what is it that makes a church a church? And when you study this scripture in the gospel of uh, Matthew, you learn, first of all, uh, these things. You learn that um, the church was uh, envisioned by the Father. Can I just remind everybody here and on all of our campuses, this is the greatest, I've said it before, this is the greatest gamble God ever undertook with humanity. It's that he's going to get most of his work done through us. Now just look around. Wow, God. Right? Right? The dream of God is that he leaves 99 to scan the horizon to find the one. It's envisioned by the Father, and then um, it's, it's established by the Son. And uh, it's established by the Son in all of his work. And this is where Jesus is saying, uh, he's saying, I, I will build my church. I will build my church. And, and God will build a church in the home of any heart that is open and willing to step into his vision of reaching people. I do have stories that flow through my mind whenever I'm talking about vision and whether I'm talking about, you know, and that's what makes this so important is that we are, we are in this series going to talk very clearly about our future because um, in the midst of a, of a denominational disaffiliation and in the midst of, um, you know, a, a three-year disruption called a global pandemic, our church leadership has begun to dream about our future and try to distill for every one of us on every one of our campuses, like, what does it look like? Where are we headed? What are we aiming at? And this is the thing I want to tell you. This is what I want to do in these next weeks. I want to be very clear with you as your lead pastor about what I think the Lord is saying to us. And I think you're going to love it. But it's, in, it's, it's established by the Son I remember in the early days of our church, you know, we were trying to, we were just ragtag trying to put things together. And some of you have heard me share this story. I have the, my top 10 favorite stories that became sort of emblematic about how churches uh, uh, works. And, and we had just done this um, 
uh, Ash Wednesday service in our church. I'll never forget it. We were just, we didn't even have a building yet. We met, met out here on the property and we all smudged ourselves, you know, on the forehead and the sign of the cross. And I left that, I left that little gathering and I went over to Home Depot. And I'd been building a relationship with a, with a guy over there that was pretty far from God. And we were talking and, and he didn't really know much about me. And I walked in that day and I had this smudge on my forehead and, and something clicked for him. And he, he remembered what that was. And he came over to me and he said, is this, is that the sign of the cross on your forehead? And, and, and I've got in trouble for this because he was from New York and he talked like he was from New York. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, but he was like in my face and he's going, hey, is that, is that the sign of the cross? And I said, yes, it is. And he goes, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he said, you're a father. And I said, Sorta, I guess. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, so you pastor a church. He said, I've been in church in a long time. I, I could never really go to church. He said, if, if I went to church, he said, I think the walls would fall down. And I told him, I said, if you saw the people in my church, <laughs> you'd feel right at home. <laughs> you know? This is, it's established by the Son. And then thirdly, right, it's, um, it's empowered by the Spirit. When you read Scripture and you learn about God, the Bible tells us this, that it says, it, it defines God in four ways. God is um, light. Secondly, it says this, God is Love, not, not God like represents love. God is love, right? Thirdly, God is spirit. And then it says this, God is a consuming fire. I, I've always understood light and love and spirit. Consuming fire was kind of a strange one for me. And, and I don't know if it's the correct idea of that, but, but the idea that sort of comes in my mind, it's that when God's people get together and they get a vision of his kingdom and they begin to see the world differently, this is what we're talking about. It's probably happened to many of us in this room and many online and all the other campuses. God begins to light a fire. And we just begin to see the world in a different way. My sense is this. If you are sincerely trying to follow Jesus as best you know how, that looks a little different than much of what maybe your friends or maybe some of your family or others, it might look a little different from the way they live. And, and God is calling us into this moment, I think in a renewed way, right? to be salt and light in a world that's lost its way. And so this is an important moment for us on every campus and certainly in here. Because really what I want to do is I want to take some time and just sort of gently walk us through what we have distilled and believe represents our best way forward. We have we have as a church, like many other churches, right, all around the world, we have come through some challenging moments. 
And because of that early lesson I learned in the very early days of our church that sometimes the church operates best when the odds seem to be against it, this is a moment for us. And uh, I was thinking about this because it's really important because not only is the church envisioned by the Father and established by the Son and empowered by the Spirit, it's, it's lastly um, embraced by his people. One person telling another person as a beggar where it is you have found the bread of life. That's really what this is all about. So in the coming weeks, really what I want to do is we, we want to just sort of distill that to you. And in fact, what we've done, uh, we've done some things I want everybody to know on all of our campuses and certainly in here I want you to know about. We have uh, launched a website. You can learn more about this. We've been creating some videos that will help explain this initiative that we're going uh, we're gonna to embrace as a church. When you leave here today, we're going to give you an informational packet that will help you begin to distill and understand. And this is my challenge right at the start. Give us a hearing. Give us a hearing to explain, you know, we've talked so much about where we've been through some of this journey. I remember when I was leading our congregation through this denominational disaffiliation, I said, I'm going to come back to you in a year's time and I'm going to talk about our future. Hello, here I am talking about our future. And so we have a video that we want you to see. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, release after the video all the campuses. You have your work over there. And we'll come back as a single campus. But take a look at what we're aiming at uh, in the future. Thank you. In a world that seems to be growing more and more divided, at Community of Hope, we're more committed than ever to helping people find real hope. Our church has been serving Palm Beach County now for over 26 years, and our mission and assignment from God remains the same. We believe our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. And so over the years, we've had a front row seat to witness God's amazing work, from humble beginnings in a living room of a rental house to a funeral home for weekend gatherings, and now to a vibrant congregation meeting in four expressions on three campuses, and in two languages. Thousands have been impacted for Jesus Christ through our church. And over the years, we have launched transformative initiatives and ministries from Celebrate Recovery to numerous family ministry options to our Love the 561 initiative, all dedicated to reaching our local community. And as a result of this commitment to showing God's love in practical ways, our church has been recognized as one of the fastest growing churches within our own faith tradition. And as time goes on, we recognize that we can't ignore the importance and work still ahead of us to position our church to flourish for years to come. And so to accomplish this God-sized goal, the only way possible for us to do this is to do it together. And so we're inviting our entire community on all of our campuses and in all of our languages to grow together around this two-year initiative we're calling Flourish. And so the idea behind this name comes from Scripture in Acts chapter 12, verse 24, where it says the Word of God continued to spread and flourish. The idea behind this initiative is to envision a future for our church where individuals and churches and communities all flourish. 
through our collective commitment to reach toward the vision God is calling our church to embrace. Let me further explain. We believe that flourishing individuals are the foundation of a thriving community of faith. And by investing directly into people's growing maturity in Christ, we believe this growth will empower many in our congregation to become leaders and dedicated disciples and influential change makers. Flourishing local churches will catalyze positive change. And our goal here is to fortify and strengthen each of our campuses throughout Palm Beach County. And we believe doing so will position our church to serve as an anchor for authentic faith and exploration well into the next decade. And as you can already tell, this vision isn't self-serving or inside the walls. We believe that by helping individuals as well as churches flourish, we're gonna make a positive, life-changing, and eternal impact in the community God has called us to reach. Imagine with me a community where individuals and families thrive as a result, where authentic faith exploration and meeting tangible needs, providing support to the most vulnerable through strategic outreach and innovative programs and partnerships together will foster compassion and justice and practical acts done in Jesus' name. This sounds great, but we can't do it unless we all do it together. And so through this initiative, our goal is to raise necessary resources to fund our entire strategic vision for the next two years. And then God willing, we're gonna do it again. So here's what we think. First, we're going to reduce the debt incurred during our denominational transition, unshackling our church's potential and propelling us toward a future financial freedom. And you know, while it's common for most of us to hold a mortgage, well, we dream of a day when we don't and when our resources totally fund the vision God has called us to. Second, we will build new ministry spaces developing a master plan for the Loxahatchee campus. Over recent years, we've invested heavily in our West Palm and Lake Worth campuses. And with joy, we stepped into both of these assignments as a calling from God. But now it's time to develop out West where most of our county's experiencing growth more and better permanent offices for what we call our central staff as well as growing ministry space to meet a growing campus must take priority. This is our moment and it's time now to step into this. Thirdly, our longer term goal will be to develop and launch a residency program to invest in the younger generation of leaders. Here we envision establishing a comprehensive accredited program that includes provided housing for residents and interns fostering their growth and their development so that the best young leaders are trained for ministry and placed into ministry by us. And we believe a residential approach to this will get us past the difficult financial barrier of living in Palm Beach County. Lastly, we continue in our connection as a founding member of the Sanctification Project, a national relational connection of local churches and leaders dedicated to making more and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ in the Wesleyan heritage. It's this connection, we believe, that is coming to represent our new connectional home as a church, and we're excited about it. So I'm coming to ask you for your support, your belief in our mission, and your trust in me as your founding pastor remains one of God's greatest gifts to me. And it's with complete trust in our relationship that I want to ask you to consider being a part of Flourish, both with your prayers and with your financial support. Together as one big faith family, we can get this done. I want to encourage you to visit our website at communityofhope.church slash flourish to learn more about this important initiative and how God may be calling you to contribute to this transformative journey. So together, Let's flourish, individuals, churches, and communities. It's always a little weird to watch yourself on a video. So anyhow, let's stand together. 
I'm really excited about this moment for our church, and we've been dreaming about this and praying about this for some time. And so I want to encourage you to come back. I want to say again, for those of you in the Community of Hope family, of course, this is important work for us. But if you're a guest, stick around, learn what we're aiming at, learn how maybe even you can be a part of it. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you this space. Uh, We thank you for all the ways you've blessed and led our church in the past. And we thank you, Lord, for gracious space to begin to have a conversation around what the future will look like in this next decade. We invite your Holy Spirit to lead us as we have meetings, as we have conversations, as we have coffees and all these different things that you might lead our church into the future because underneath it, Lord, we know it's your church and we thank you. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. I want to remind everybody we have a place for prayer here if you need prayer before you leave. And on the way out, we have a brochure to explain more about what we're doing. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.